where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. Based on the CDC's numbers, official European mortality monitoring, and life insurance claims in the United States, since the introduction of COVID shots for those between the ages of 18 and 49, excess deaths and deaths from unknown causes in that age group have skyrocketed exponentially and still our prime tyrant and health czars push the injection. It is insane. We brought you a story not too long ago of six GTA doctors who died suddenly after receiving the third COVID injection most of them healthier than normal. Well, according to Dr. William Mackis, the number of younger and otherwise healthy Canadian doctors who have died suddenly is up to 80. And yet, our elites continue to push that same injection. And finally, Health Canada, in what we can only describe as a I bloody told you so kind of moment, has said that climate change is the greatest health threat to Canadians. Now, for those of you who called me crazy and ignored me three years ago, this will mean more totalitarian destruction and devastation. Just get yourself a tinfoil hat already and join the club. After all, the only difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth is about six to eight months or so. It is November the 3rd. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is the Liberty Dispatch. Welcome to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. Thank you so much for tuning in yet again. And wherever you're getting the podcast from, whether it's on Rumble at rumble.com slash user slash Liberty Coalition Canada on our YouTube page, Liberty C Canada. You can check us out there or on your favorite podcast catcher. We would encourage you to interact with our content to subscribe to the various shows and channels and to really share our content with others because it helps win the algorithm game and get our content before more people. And that is definitely needed to push back against the insanity of our legacy media and the government narratives. And let's be honest, we're seeing they're working in lockstep. So do that for sure. You're also going to want to go over to the flfnetwork.com. That's the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. We're on it. A bunch of other awesome podcasts are on it. So you're definitely going to want to get that. And if you really do, you can get a handy app where you can get it straight on your phone. So then you can get all those wonderful podcasts, ours included, on demand. And you can download that from the Apple uh, App Store and the Google Play Store as well. Also, go over to our website, libertycoalitioncanada.com. You can check out all things Liberty Coalition Canada over there. Be sure to scroll down to the bottom page. If you haven't, you can sign up for our email list, stay up to date with everything we're doing, and you can stay in contact with us directly so you're cancel-proof in that way. And also, uh, please, if you... 
My fellow Canadians, are you tired of having leftism rammed down your throat everywhere you turn? Are I you frustrated am. by businesses you support giving money to leftist causes? Mm -hmm. Why are you buying coffee from companies that hate you and your freedoms? Well, I don't know. Resistance Coffee Company is here for you. Now you can enjoy the wonderful taste of fresh roasted coffee with the knowledge that your money isn't funding the leftist causes you despise. In fact, Resistance Coffee gives 10% of every purchase to organizations that are fighting for the constitutional freedoms of Canadians. Resistance Coffee roasts specialty-grade coffee beans, which means you're getting high-end coffee that is roasted fresh for you. Be done with stale grocery store coffee. Support Canadian freedoms. Go to resistancecoffee.com LCC and join the resistance today. And when you use that slash LCC, you'll get 10% off your purchase. And Matt showcase some new swag for me today he showed me a new oh, hat yeah. and a Looking new shirt good. <laughs> like father like son and so yes. 10 percent off yes. your purchase that's hats that's <laughs> mugs that's merch that's coffee go to resistancecoffee.com slash lcc well mr let's matt be honest, Howard, Andrew, hope... and no no we're not moving on let's okay, be honest i'm sorry how much does justin trudeau look like fidel Castro? That's hilarious. Allegedly. We have to be careful. <laughs> Allegedly. No, they look like each other objectively. Right. I'm Objective, not saying that's correct. I, I'm yeah. not saying he's necessarily yeah. they're necessarily related. I wouldn't yeah. say that. Allegedly. You know? It just I mean, they look a lot alike, let's yes, just they be do. honest. And it's yeah. a hilarious shirt. And you know, I like to laugh. I like to have fun. So I'm appreciative of the buy resistance that shirt, coffee yeah, buy, guys. Buy that for shirt for in, in anticipation of the holidays for causing trouble at Christmas dinner. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, Andrew, <laughs> let us get into yeah. our first story that you're going to bring for us. So this one is an interesting story that highlights not just stuff that's coming out recently, but really this is this is a conglomeration of, of news and statistics and information that's just been building Right. This story mm -hmm. is a snowball that's basically been building for the last year and a half. And we periodically touch down on it as more information comes out. But what we want to bring to everyone, especially in light of what came out with Dr. William Mackis recently, is that various sources in Canada and the United States are revealing an alarming growth in excess deaths among young people, especially that can't be explained by COVID-19 because of vaccination rates, vaccination rates, and because of other factors, given the fact that they're normally healthy and don't have their hearts explode. So this is, a, this is alarming data. So what we're going to do is we're just going to touch it a couple of the high points, and then we're going, to, we're going to talk about it. So the first one is this. The CDC has seen an unusually high amount of excess deaths in the United States beginning in April 2020, which people would say, oh, yeah, that's the virus. But the largest spikes of excess deaths in the United States actually came after, and we have links. We have about eight links here for this story. You can plot it. The highest spikes for excess deaths in the United States come just after the introduction of the first dose of the injection, and surprisingly enough, the third dose of the injection. That where you see these are introduced, where Americans are told, oh yeah, go get your shots, are the first and the third, and that's where you see quite the spike 
in excess deaths in America and particularly so or alarmingly so among young adults. That's first. Second, One America, which is one of the largest insurance providers in the United States, reports that deaths in people age 18 to 24 are up 40 percent since the introduction of the third shot. This is a quote from a representative. We're seeing right now the highest death rates we've seen in the history of the business. So this is life insurance, not just at One America. The company's CEO, Scott Davison, said during an online news conference this week, the data is consistent across every player in that business. And what we saw just in third quarter, we're seeing it continue into fourth quarter, is that death rates are up 40% what they were pre-pandemic, he said. Now, again, we know it can't be the virus itself because the overwhelming evidence shows that people age 18 to 24, the seriousness of it is, is less than the flu, that the seasonal flu is deadlier than coronavirus for young adults and children. So that's the second bit. The third one is this. The CDC finds that people aged 12 to 29 who've received the COVID injection have higher rates of myocarditis than young people who've not received the injection, including those who've had coronavirus. So those who are those unvaccinated people who don't get the injection, who get sick, have lower rates of myocarditis than those who did get the injection, showing again that it's not the virus that's causing these health problems. It's something else altogether. And then the fourth one is this. EuroMOMO, which is a mortality monitoring system in Europe, finds excess deaths in teens and young adults increased by, buckle up, 239% since the European Medical Association introduced the COVID injection. Quote, in 2022 so far, there have been 3,437 excess deaths among 15 to 44-year-olds. That is 1,179 more deaths than occurred in 2020 at the alleged height of the COVID-19 pandemic. And that's 2,241 more deaths than the 2017 to 2020 average. This equates to a 187% increase in deaths among 15 to 44-year-olds throughout 2021 compared to the average of 2017 to 2020. Also, the overall number of deaths throughout 2021 to 2022 so far in that same age group, 15 to 44, and the combined week 0 to week 52, 2017 to 2020 average, and the week 0 to week 37, 2017 to 2020 average. There have been, here come the numbers, there have been 6,069 more deaths throughout 2021 and 2022 so far compared to that same average between 2017 and 2020. This equates to a a 239% increase overall, again, in an age group where the statistical mortality of COVID is so low, it's the same, if not lower, than the seasonal flu. And when do we see these increases? The introduction of the injection. Either first, and where we really see a spike, is the third dose. The third dose is where things really take off. So we have all the links with the numbers and the graphs and the charts for you to look at to verify that we're just not making this stuff up. But here you have it. Deaths are up. Excess deaths are up. Myocarditis is up. Life insurance company says deaths are up. 
We talked a number of shows ago about casket companies saying their business is through the roof, especially for kids' caskets. It's much higher than normal. And here we have now Europe, Europe seeing 239% increase in mortality since the introduction of the injection. Uh, this is light has a beautiful way of dealing with darkness and the best disinfectant is just to keep saying here's what we're seeing look look hold up this dead carcass of the lockdowns and the jabs and the masks work and are safe and we're just going to keep holding it out for everyone to see uh it's out in the open now there's there's no more hiding this yeah and no pun intended but as we do the post-mortem on our pandemic response it is very clear that our government officials our public health technocrats and the many bureaucrats involved in the administrative state embarked in this vax or nothing program with little to no data and it's had seriously drastic effects on individuals across this world and the numbers aren't ever looking the other way andrew right <laughs> the news is never breaking against the fact that what we're seeing is these were more these these lockdowns these fax mandates these measures that were put in place were it's it's never coming out that they were reasonable that they actually fit the data that the vax can actually justify what these people these tyrants across the world have done to uh people uh concerning covid-19 so i mean it is awesome thank you for compiling those numbers and and that research andrew and uh to all those who are studying these things because it is important to bring these things to light and despite what the uh some publications want which is uh a covid amnesty as this information comes to light despite that what we need to do is continue to hold people accountable to hold their feet to the fire and to let the the light shine into the darkness and let the truth prevail in this situation because we need to understand what happened and why it happened in order for us to move forward and people will have to be held accountable i've said it before they will have to be held accountable for doing these things in a totally inappropriate manner. So that's all I've got to say on that, Andrew. I think that this is going to come up in our episode, and this is going to be something we're going to have to talk about more. I know I've been discussing with a fellow pastor who's been very outspoken about stuff and talking with him about maybe interviewing him soon and getting him on the podcast and doing a special release that we're going to talk about COVID amnesty. So hopefully in the mm. next week or so, maybe two yeah. weeks, uh, we're going to have a special edition interview where we talk about COVID amnesty and uh, forgive and forget and kiss and make up. Mm -hmm. But basically what it that's boils down to— That's not how biblical to, forgivenness works, no. though. And that's the big, so that's the big preview. thing. The big yeah. thing is that—my wife and I were talking about this last night when I shared the article with her about the COVID amnesty, and she's like, forgiveness only happens when there's repentance. And I'm like, you get it. So why don't mm -hmm. all these theologians get it? You understand that— <laughs> that, that, that yeah. forgiveness presupposes repentance but so yes. we're we're gonna see that but th this is this is kind of a little bit of a hot take this move now towards covid amnesty forgive and forget is because what we're seeing now is they were so wrong on every front 
They were wrong to shut the mm -hmm. church. They were wrong to engage in lockdown. They were wrong to enforce the mask. They were wrong to talk about the jab. And what we're seeing now is the detrimental effects of what they joined in. And they're also seeing the consequence. They've hemorrhaged people. Their churches have, have shrunk. Um, they have lost credibility. Other churches have grown. Other, other people have been strengthened. So they're saying and doing stuff now to try to engage in some wicked damage control when really what they need to say is, hey, we were wrong. We were duped. All those sources that you were quoting that we were simply saying you were an anti-government conspiracy theorist, maybe if we took a second to look at the sources and do our own research, we would have realized we were wrong about this. Rather than doing that, all they're saying is, oh, let's just put it behind us. And I'm willing to. I'm willing to. I'm willing to forgive the fact that decisions that we made and things that we encouraged in this country are the reason why we're seeing young adults die at alarming rates. I'm willing to forgive you. As long as you're willing to say we were wrong, we played it wrong, we're complicit, we'll never do it again. Oh, then, brother, come back in, come back in, but not before that, not before that. Absolutely, absolutely, and, and that's a good point, Andrew. For us who have been outspoken, who whether you've taken the initial vaccine or not, or you have refused to take the vaccine, but you're uh, regardless, you're against these these tyrannical mandates whatever which there's many of those people in that camp we have to be ready to forgive and to restore our brothers and re restore our family members and our friends who encourage this tyrannical behavior we've got to be willing to forgive and have tender hearts towards those people and understand that yes maybe some people did get caught up in fear and anxiety and they were were not acting rationally and appropriately but we cannot cover over their sins if they're not willing to to repent thereof so that's that's going to be an important episode and i'm looking forward to you know diving even deeper into that because it's a very important topic that that goes far beyond what we're doing here on the podcast. And it gets into like, how do Christians interact with their ch each other? It really gets to the heart of like biblical counseling essentially. So I, I I'm looking forward to that discussion, but that's something that we want to keep in mind as Christians is how do we forgive people and what are the prerequisites of that forgiveness? Um, because that will, determine how we're going to act but you know just for our own heart andrew we should be tender-hearted and ready to forgive those who do come in repentance yeah more th this this is uh this having to navigate the post-mortem right having to come up to the crime scene and and and, and mm -hmm. see what happened and now figure out how to proceed uh, there's going to be a lot of relational work to be done and we're we're prepared to do it, but what what we cannot do is we can't simply forget and then sweep under the rug and pretend like nothing happened, because the only way we can move forward in unity is if we're honest about what happened, and if we're honest about what needs to happen now moving forward. So I'm I'm ready to have those ready to have those discussions. Hard but necessary discussions. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Matt, while we're talking about people who have made mistakes, let's talk about a group of people who have made insanely large mistakes. That's our federal government. Their response to economic difficulties is to print more money until it's worthless 
driving up the cost of everything, essentially stealing from your hard-earned pay. They also want to monitor your spending by way of centralized digital currency, and they want to control you by way of a digital ID. What you need to do is you need to take control of your own resources and be responsible for your own money, which is your responsibility. And Bull Bitcoin wants to help you to do just that. Bull Bitcoin is a 100% self-funded, freedom-minded Canadian Bitcoin exchange that wants to protect your financial freedom and help you protect your resources. If you're at all aware of what's going on in our country, you should seriously you should seriously consider connecting. Let me do that line again. If you're at all aware of what's going on in our country, you should seriously consider connecting with my friends over at Bull Bitcoin and buying at least some Bitcoin today. Sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC and have all your questions answered. Bull Bitcoin is the exchange I personally trust for all of my Bitcoin purchases. That's mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. Matt and I are not financial advisors. We are not CPAs, but we are telling nope. you, send an email, make a phone call, ask your questions, and be wise. At the very least, be responsible with your resources. Be excellent with what the Lord has given you. Be wise and be good stewards. Talk to my friends over at Bull Bitcoin. So, Andrew, our second story is like unto the first, like unto the first. It's very similar in the fact that it is now compiling some of the data that we're seeing over the last two and a half years. And it's really distilling some truths from that data. And specifically what I'm talking about is... The sudden death toll for young, healthy Canadian doctors is now up to 80 doctors. We covered, as you made mention, Andrew, a story that, that was linking three doctors um, who all died as very healthy doctors, very healthy individuals under some peculiar circumstances um, after receiving the third dose of the vaccine. And what we're seeing is those numbers are far greater than what we originally reported. And it seems to be climbing day on day on day on day. An Alberta doctor is calling on Canadian on the Canadian Medical Association, the CMA, to look into what he says is a significant jump in doctors' sudden deaths following the rollout of the COVID-19 vaccines beginning in December 2020. I am now providing you an update with information about 80 young Canadian doctors who died suddenly or unexpectedly since the rollout of COVID of the COVID-19 vaccines, wrote Dr. Will William Mackis, a nuclear medicine physician and a former clinical academic colleague at the Department of Radiology at the University of Alberta in a letter written to the CMA on October 15th. Four more doctors have died since that letter was written, and these unexpected deaths are accelerating and 
You cannot continue to ignore this, Dr. Mackis says to the CMA. McMaster University recently announced the sudden deaths of three young fully vaccinated medical residents during the summer of 2022, which is obviously unprecedented. We're talking about young, healthy individuals that are dying suddenly. All Canadian medical students and residents were forced into these unscientific, unethical, cruel, and harmful COVID-19 vaccine mandates. And now, Andrew, we're seeing the unfortunate results is an increase in sudden deaths among healthy physicians across our nation that are unexplained except for the entrance of these experimental gene therapies on the scene starting in 2020. If you just go, I mean, sorry, don't Google, um, don't use Google, but if you use a good browser, <laughs> that's not Google, uh, that will curate your information, just, uh, just search for sudden adult death syndrome and, and, and then limit your search results to just the past week or the past month. And you'll see that mm -hmm. this is uh, this is an alarming new trend. We, we covered this a while ago that Alberta saw that their deaths from unknown causes is now the number one cause of death in Alberta or was the number one cause of death in 2021, replacing everything else. It now became the leading cause of death. And just to give some perspective, in 2020, unknown causes of death were about 500. In 2021, that number rose by to about 3,600. So that's, I mean, that's a big, what, 700% increase in deaths. What could it be? Well, it could be the fact that quite literally a foreign agent has been introduced into the lives and directly into the bodies of people. And Dr. Mackis is, is trying to shine a light on this. In fact, we have a link to Bright Light News where they talk about the story. They talk about his letter. I think there might be an interview with him as well. You're going to want to check that out and see what's going on. You know, as much as this in some ways feels like a little bit of vindication or a little bit of, you see, like we we told you, it's not like a boastful, glad kind of vindication. It's not like one of those, nah, I told you so. It's, it's one of those wretched kind of gut twisting, I told you so, is where I wish it weren't so. I wish we did, yeah, I wish we didn't have to say we told you that this sort of stuff was going to happen, right? I remember listening to a a pastor of all people who he has his, uh, his undergrad was actually in, I think it was in biology, um, and he has some experience actually in the medical field, but he's a pastor. And I remember all the way back in late winter of 2020, where he was talking about the work that was being done with regard to the COVID injections. And I remember him saying, I remember sitting actually in, in the drive-thru getting a coffee uh, where I don't get coffee anymore because they hate my freedom and they wouldn't let me in because I wasn't jabbed. But I'm sitting there getting my coffee and listening to his podcast. And he was saying, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a clinical biologist, but it looks like this mRNA technology, first of all, is experimental. And second of all, it looks like what it's going to do is actually alter genetic structures. Um, where it is a gene therapy, not an actual vaccination, where by encoding things into the genome, the problem of what that might do with creating autoimmune disorders and actually affecting you on a cellular genetic level 
he wasn't even thinking about the myocarditis thing and the spike protein. He was just thinking about the, you know, the actual unzipping of your, your, your DNA and inserting new information. And everyone said he's nuts. So he's a quack. What does he know? Uh, he was right. He was, uh, he was basically right on the money and I wish it weren't so, but we're not going to see the end of this. You know, my wife and I were talking not that long ago and there is a legitimate concern. There's a legitimate concern that we're going to start to see more and more loved ones start to die suddenly. And we're going to see these numbers increase. And, uh, and we're not out of this just yet. I think that, uh, more people who get their third shot, I mean, I think in Canada, we're at about 50% third dose. The more people that start getting their third and then their fourth shot, I think the more we're going to see sudden deaths, especially among young people. And I think that there are, there are some sad days ahead for people. And, and uh, we need to be, I guess, ready and prepared for that. And I wish it weren't so. And I wish crazy people didn't sound an alarm bell the way that they did. But, but we did. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and like you say, we hope that we're wrong on these things. Many of the stuff that a lot of people like ourselves have been saying over the last two and a half years, we don't take joy in the fact that these prophecies <laughs> so-called have come, come to, to fruition, right? It doesn't give us joy um, because it means a lot of suffering a lot of loss of freedoms. Um, and that's the reality of the situation. But we have to be sober-minded. We have to understand the times. And we have to act appropriately. We have to act appropriately and faithfully to what the Lord would have us do. And that's, uh, for my money, what I've been so disappointed with the church's response because I think there's been so many good biblical principles that have not been followed over the course of the last two and a half years that have led a lot of people, a lot of people within the church to go down this path of government and health bureau bureaucrat coercion with little or no interposition on behalf of the people who ought to do that, which is pastors and elders and leaders of the church. In fact, a lot of churches never even issued an exemption to congregants for vax mandates, um, for religious objections. That's the least of what a, a, a leadership should be doing during a pandemic. But so many men who were put in charge of churches, sat on their hands, buried their head in the sands, and did not act in, in a way that showed that they understood the signs of the time, that showed that they understood what was going on and what, was, what we were actually dealing with. And that, to me, Andrew, is, is really what's what's so hard to swallow is it, it it's less that you know we're running out of conspiracy theories because they all seem to be coming true but it's more the fact that we saw this stuff with foresight not with hindsight now hindsight it's it's proving what we were saying but the fact that so many people who were supposed to be the watchmen on the wall, who were supposed to be the shepherds guard guarding the sheep, proved to be hirelings. They proved ill-equipped to do that job and understand the signs of the time. And 
that's the truly tragic part of the story for me, Andrew. And this outlines a number of things. First of all, you're not hearing this stuff anywhere else. I mean, if you follow Bright Light, maybe True North and and Rebel, maybe a little bit, but you're not hearing this. This stuff is, if if you only get a steady diet of CPC and Global and and whatever else, and you, the Toronto Star, I always love seeing those Toronto Star ads on Facebook. Integrity and truth. And yeah, I'll just spend my, if if I want it to be lied to, if I wanted to spend my money being lied to, I'd hire someone who's a professional speaker, so at least it's enjoyable. Not not have not have the hacks over the Toronto Star lie to me. What a anyways. So but that mean so you're not hearing this. So this stuff now, which is it's like there's a there there metaphorically and in, in many cases literally, there's a dead body in the middle of the floor and everyone sees it. And here you have the legacy media pointing their camera. Oh, look at the window. That's a beautiful window with a nice view. There's like a, there's like a dead body. And here you have people saying, listen, what's going on here? Let's highlight this, right? In part, they need to cover it up. They need to not display it. They need to not have more people wake up to what's going on. And this, you know, I I keep bringing up the conversations I have with my wife because it just so happens when you're a pastor during a pandemic and you also happen to co-host a podcast and kind of help direct Liberty Coalition Canada, you talk about these things with your wife. It's conversations that come up. But we were talking about this. And she asked me the other night. Yes. She asked me the other night, Matt. She said, um, how many people are going to wake up, Andrew? Like what percentage? Like let's think how many people are so locked into the fear that nothing will ever bring them out of it? How many of them were deceived and maybe with time and exposure they'll snap out? You know, how many are kind of done with it they've already turned the corner and then obviously you have you know the nutsos like us that have been um you know conspiracy theory anti-government types since the beginning so how does that all play out and you know i kind of the truth is and so for you our dear audience there might be people in your life who you could bring them all the all the info you want and because they've been so gripped and reconditioned by fear and propaganda i don't think they're ever coming back I think you I think we've lost them for good. I think there are a number of people who have been reconditioned forever and and a good sign of that would be someone who still wears a mask outdoors or in their car. There's a good sign we're never going to get that person back that they have been lost to the indoctrination and fear now owns them and they have fully they have fully submitted to the medical establishment. But I think there are people, I still think there are people who might not come all the way over on the freedom side where we are. But I think there are people who are saying, this doesn't make sense. Like if it works, why do I have to take five of them? Like that doesn't make sense. If it works, why, why is it that like the masks, we we all wear masks and everyone still got sick and like what's, so I think for you, our audience continue to, to search for the truth of things, continue to uncover this stuff, shine a light on this, bring it to people and hopefully, right, the only way we come out of this, the only way we really see a turn is if more and more people say, listen, enough is enough. That's not true. I'm not playing this game anymore. That's how we really, really turn it as, as a culture. That's how we move in the right direction with this as, as a Canadian society. So continue to, to, to find places where you have the light shining and exposing and bringing you truth and continue to bring it to bear on, on those in your life. I know I could attest personally to people around me who... Some of them are engaging in a little bit of this COVID amnesty, right? Some of them are saying, hey, I'm sorry, you know, I said some things before they were mean and that's all. And that's what's, 
he did more than that, but whatever. But I think some people are actually saying, you know, who said some pretty vile stuff about me and friends. They're kind of coming around saying, well, I tell you what, I'm not getting a fourth one. This is not going to happen. And if, the, if, if they say I can't do this, that's fine. I'm going to have to deal with it. Enough is enough. And it's not just because time has gone on. It's because they continue to see, well, this is what this means. And this means this. And this is what's going on. So be diligent. And Andrew, like I said, it's only going in one direction, right? Right. These, what is now being revealed, what is coming to light is only in one direction. It's, it's towards COVID being manufactured in a lab in China. It's towards Pfizer never testing whether or not these vaccines, these experimental gene therapies actually stop transmission regardless of what they said and regardless of what government officials parroted. Uh, it's towards, oh, it doesn't stay in the arm, but it goes throughout the whole body. It's towards, oh, it's not going to change your genetics. Oh, but maybe it does have a possibility to do that. That is what I'm saying. It's only cutting in one direction, and it's not in the directions of lockdowns, mandates, vax passes, and continued COVID tyranny. Yet, there's so many people across our country, in legacy media, in government, in our public health bureaucracies, that are still clinging to this narrative because they refuse to stare reality in the face. Because if they did... They would have to reckon with what they've done. And that is, as we know as Christians, as people who have shared the gospel with individuals, Andrew, that is a work that is nigh impossible, right? It is nearly impossible when somebody's so culpable for them, without the work of God, without repentance being given to them as a gift for them to turn from that. We know spiritually it's impossible without the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of individuals. Why? Because human fallen nature, when we know we're culpable of sin, we want to hide. We want to bury that truth. We want to suppress it in unrighteousness, lest we discover our true selves, our true nature, and the wickedness that that we've done. So it's not surprising that so many people have not come to see the truth of the situation and really repented of that and have honestly sought forgiveness because that is a work that is pretty much supernatural <laughs> and that's uh that's something that we shouldn't be surprised that given our human fallen natures it, it it's it's unsurprising that these people who have done this over the last little while would be still recalcitrant unable to be moved off their position sticking to it and not admitting their wrongdoing well before we get into our last story which really is a master class in lies and propaganda. I mean, it is a, it is, it is, it is a lesson on worldwide concerted propaganda. We need to hit you with a little bit of truth in the, the financial world. Let's face it, my friends, the economic prospects in our country 
appear rather bleak. With inflation at 40-year highs and a government that does not understand fiscal responsibility, who can you trust to protect your financial future? And again, if, if, if you think that the carbon tax refund and the federal government giving you like 100 bucks to make you feel better about the thousands of dollars you're going to steal out of your wallet, then it's time to wake up a little bit. What you need to do is you need to give my friends over at Rocklink Investment Partners a call. They don't follow the crowd. They think independently. They invest prudently to protect your wealth from those who seek to destroy it. Call them at 905-631-5462 or send them an email. Info at rocklink.com. That's info at rocklink.com. Now, before we actually jump into this story, what I will say is this. If you don't have yourself a tinfoil hat, it's time to get one for two reasons. You've been saying it for a while. Now. I have, but I'm saying it now. Uh, a, <laughs> yeah. a couple things. One, this what we're about to outline for you, we have been sounding this alarm probably for a good 18 months now. Prob mm -hmm. once we saw once we saw what was happening with the covid stuff, we saw what was what was coming down next. We we, we were able to see this. So, first of all, I told you so, right? We're about to say <laughs> what, what we're about yeah. to read. If I told you two years ago that, oh, this is their plan or this is what they're going to say, people are like, you're nuts. So, okay, I told you so, first of all. Second of all, eyes open, this is next. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if I could, if I could be a prophet, what I would say is this I believe, and this isn't a fear thing, this isn't to make people worried. This is just be honest about it so that you can be prepared and so you can know what's happening so that you can do what's required to take care of your family your church your community and really really understand what's happening next i believe that this globalist marxist cultural behemoth that has set its sight on western civilization because really mm -hmm. biblical christianity props that up that's the enemy the enemy is biblical mm -hmm. christianity and western society is just yeah because they're they're trying to install a new sensibility, yep. a new social religion, a la Rousseau. That's that's Christianity, which is the true religion that worships the true and living God, is the biggest affront to this Marxist globalist takeover. Absolutely. So this 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 behemoth will come in the form of a two pronged attack. One of the prongs we've talked about a lot. One of the prongs is going to be a radical gender and sexual ideology that will set its specific targets on the church because the only people that have a particular sense of marriage and sexuality and gender understanding really are, are Christians with a biblical worldview. So it will specifically set its sights on the church. What does that look like? Looks like Bill C4. What it looks like is some of the concerns even with Bill C-11. What it looks like is Bill 67, which is working its way in Ontario Parliament right now, the gender equality in the education system. So what it's going to be is it's going to be a wholesale redefinition of marriage and sexuality that specifically targets the church as backwards, archaic, patriarchy, anti-this, anti-that. That's one prong. That's specifically the church. But there's a second prong. And the second prong really will come at culture more broadly, right? Canadians more generally. And this second prong is climate alarmism. That climate alarmism will be the second prong that will have the effects broadly that they desire to have specifically 
on the church with its gender stuff, which is the continued destruction of our economy, the continued snatching away of rights and freedoms of Canadians, the imposition of a totalitarian, grossly overinflated managerial state, and really the ushering in of this globalist elitist agenda, which shout out to the episode we did about Canada being the vanguard of this globalist agenda. Yeah, from the WF, we, we have the receipts. It's all there. We're not crazy. It's all there. So we need to talk about this. So I'm saying this now because we've been saying this for a year and a half. The next push, the next move in the chess game from the tyrants is the climate move. It is the climate yeah. change, climate alarmism thing. And it's yeah, almost, and they say that themselves. That's what like, we're going to see. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They they say that themselves. If you read Schwab at all, if you read the look at the World Economic Forum, they've been very open with the fact that COVID was entryism, right? That was the foot in the door to totally restructure how governments interact with their people. It was a fire drill. Then one can, of the articles we have, it was a, it, COVID was the fire drill for what to do during climate stuff we'll see absolutely, that article in absolutely a bit. and then it's yeah it's now the predicate hey look look at how much we diminish the 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 carbon footprint of humanity by shutting down for these few months so oh sure covid might be going away it might be endemic but wouldn't it make a lot of sense during these fall health uh, periods where there's lots of viral activity and influenzas spreading if we lock down two to then have a better carbon effect on our society you know you can just reason through these things apart from what they're actually saying and it that's why those of us who have been pushing back against the principles that uh, held up the fact that the, uh, the these mandates and these lockdowns and stuff from day one because of what this does and because of the precedent it sets it's not hard to get from point a to point b and i, I like you andrew i remember sitting in a, a meeting with a bunch of people from our congregation and i said before i even read schwab i said you better believe the next step that's coming is they're going to declare climate change a public health emergency and they're going to use a lot of the same techniques they used during covid to stop this new public health emergency which is the greatest you know it's a of existential threat right it's far worse than covid so they can be even more draconian in what they're doing they're going to use this in this way. And that's what we're seeing. It's now out in the open. We, Andrew, maybe we thought that people like Teresa Tam were, as COVID, you know, as the virus mitigates, as it becomes endemic, as it attenuates, it's it's not as bad as it once was. We thought maybe the Fauci's and the Tams of the world would ride off into the sunset and we'd be free of them even just for a pr standpoint like maybe just give people a break but you would be mistaken if you thought that were the case in fact they already have a new job the federal government does for Teresa tam and that is mobilizing public health action on climate change in canada these are the a bunch of the stories that are coming out that are all pushing this narrative in Canada, and we want to read them for you. 
This comes from the Mobilizing Public Health Action on Climate Change in Canada. The, it is straight from the federal government itself. This is how it reads. Climate change is the single biggest health threat facing humanity and the livability of the planet. Bum, in Canada... Bum, bum. I can just hear the music. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we're not even through the first paragraph here, and w the, the, the clouds of doom are already surrounding us. Um, okay, back to it. In Canada and around the world, we are already feeling health, the health impacts, and if left unchecked, these will be considerably more serious and wider-reaching. When sufficiently resourced, public health systems are well positioned to play an important role in reducing these health risks and impacts. This includes helping communities adapt to a changing climate, protecting those who are vulnerable to climate sensitive health outcomes, whatever that means, and preparing for climate related emergencies. I think that's Working you. With the climate sensitive health come, I think that's I think that's light skin gingers and the the <laughs> the increase of the heat I of do, the sun. I do I that's do a, burn oh man. very easy. You might get yes. some money out of this. If you're like, look at me, I'm fair skinned, the the hot, hot sun I don't makes want it. Okay. <laughs> I don't want that dirty government lucre. Yeah, yeah no, and I'll say no, quickly when you. sufficiently resourced, <laughs> by the way, is a euphemism for stealing more of your money. <laughs> yes. When we steal Absolutely. more of your money, continue please. Because uh, right, people have already been saying this is this is World War Three, the the bad the war against climate change is World War Three. What happened to the during the first two world wars? Well, government mobilization of the economy of all the sectors, absolute control of all those things, unprecedented, and that is you know that's the beauty of declaring these things as these technocrats is if you declare this in such a way then you get to control everything you know you right you get to be the the managerial state who does everything anyways let's continue on with the release here working with other sectors public health can also promote policies and actions to reduce greenhouse gas emissions that cause global warming in a way that benefits our collective health there it is there's the communism admittedly it is daunting to think about what climate change has in store for us the far-reaching health impacts offer compelling evidence as to why public health systems must mobilize around this issue the good news is that climate change action can be good for our health at its core climate action is public health action with significant and near immediate health and environmental benefits if i can just public health i just interject really quickly there because i got to say this um it's daunting to think about what climate change has for us actually a slightly warmer climate probably means greater yield for produce and farming so there's more food mm -hmm. for us which means it might drop the price of various forms of produce and increase jobs so you're right and maybe winter wouldn't be nine months of the year in so Winnipeg. so the fact that they said <laughs> that we need to act now you know why they need to act now 
because the last thing they want is for greater food production and cheaper costs. So let us actually crush farmers, let's decrease food production, let's destroy our economy, and let's make things more scarce. So, that, so that's what I'm seeing here. That let, let's cut through all this nonsense. They're not actually mm-hmm. saying it's going to be dangerous for us. What they're saying is it'll be bad for our tyranny. We won't be able to control you so much if things get a little warmer and you can do better for yourself. So that's just just so we're clear as to what these what all this gobbledygook means. That's what it means. Absolutely. Continuing on. Public health has made tremendous gains over the past century in improving the health and lives of people in Canada and around the world. Working with other sectors, we must build on these strengths to better prepare for and respond to the greatest health threat of our time. That's climate change, guys. It's not COVID. It's not the pandemic we all just went through and shut down the world for two and a half years over. It's climate change. Already, there is promising work happening across Canada. We must leverage this work to strengthen our capacities, advance our knowledge, and maximize our collected collective efforts across systems jurisdictions and sectors we must work with communities and young people to make sure the actions we take benefit all today and for the future that i'm pretty sure that came straight from the wef i've read enough schwab to know this boring um utopian corporate language when i see it but Nevertheless, this is coming from our government. So, this is released yeah. from them. I'll say and Dr. By the way, Cam's going to uh, be in charge of heading this up. I'll say, by the way, the record levels, the record high levels of myocarditis, of health failure, of the growth we're going to see in cancer because of undiagnosed and untreated cancer patients, the, the astronomical increase in sudden adult death syndrome or deaths from unknown causes— I think actually disproves the fact that in the past century, public health has been improving the health and the lives of people in Canada. Really? Tell that to all the young adults that are collapsing on the soccer pitch. Tell that to all the cancer patients that are going to die because they didn't get help. Tell that to all the the women now that can't have babies. Like, that's a lie. Hmm. In the last two and a half years, public health has done way more to harm and devastate the health and lives and well-beings of people in Canada. This is just a flat-out lie. It's a complete yeah. and lie. To, and to honestly discredit itself, right? People, people used to trust doctors maybe more than any institution in the West. But in two and a half years, the medical industrial complex, the the techno- technocrats and the bureaucrats involved in public health have so beclowned themselves that most people do not trust medicine anymore. And that's the reality of the situation. Which is sad. So, like, like, it is sad. It is sad. These institutions are important. And having trust in them is, is important. But the fact of the matter is, especially in Canada, our health system is terrible. It's awful. It's no good. It's very bad. We can't even really, you know, produce a healthcare system that works at just dealing with the health concerns of average Canadians, let alone establishing a public health system that is somehow going to uh, thwart the monster of climate change. You know, it's it's absolutely absurd. But these are this is what these 
this managerial elite want to do if you think about everything that's being said in this happy clappy language what does it mean it means more centralized power more government control over every sector of life in canadian society that's what they're calling for so they say happy clappy you know put a fun soundtrack in the back we can all dance around hopeful music can swell and we can all get emotional like it's it's like terminator 3 it's like terminator 2 where it's like when she's that dream she keeps having where they're the kids mm-hmm. at the park and they're swinging like, oh, that's what they want. But then really what's going to happen is a nuclear bomb is going to rip the, the flesh off Sarah Connor. And we're Sarah Connor in this analogy. <laughs> yes. We're Sarah absolutely. Connor. So here's how we want to take the rest of this this episode. You might be thinking, yeah. okay, that's fine. Whatever. Okay, Teresa Tam, she's, she's crazy. and But, I mean, that's not happening everywhere in the world, right? And even – and okay, <laughs> even if it is happening everywhere in the world – it's really not going to reach into every area of our lives, right? It's just going to be like a few, you know, they're just going to, we're going to pay a little bit more at the pump because of carbon tax. Here's how we want to take the rest of this episode. We have a number of articles that we've linked in the comments, and we just have Mm -hmm. some snippets from these articles. And what this is going to highlight for you, our dear audience, is that this play is a worldwide play and that this play is going to infringe in every, every area of your life. Your driving, your groceries, your work, everything. Everything is going to be affected by this. So we just want to pull from a few articles. I'm going to read some quotes from the articles. And then at the end, we're going to give comment. And we're going to conclude with what does this mean? Where is this going? And what do we need to do? What does this mean? Where is this going? And what is the call to action? What does it mean to be a good, wise Canadian, a good steward, a good follower of Christ? This is from Reuters. More than 800 deaths may have been avoided thanks to better air quality during Europe's first coronavirus lockdown. The European Union's Copernicus Climate Change Service, CAMS, said on Wednesday, The effectiveness of certain measures are clear to see, CAMS director Vincent-Henri Puch said. I, I, I hope I said his name right. I don't want to be unkind to French people calling the findings extremely significant. So here's what Reuters was saying. And by the way, this article isn't from last month. This article, I think, is from a year ago. So this has been a long, long-standing play. Basically, what they're saying is when Europe had their first lockdown, we actually saw some improvements in air quality. So maybe these measures are effective. Effective for what? Combating climate change. Meaning what? Could they bring more lockdowns? in order to reduce our carbon footprint. Now you're thinking like a conspiracy nut. This is from uh, this is from Al Jazeera. The world should react with the same urgency to climate change as it did to the coronavirus crisis. The Red Cross says, the just wow, thank you Red Cross. Um warning the global <laughs> Oh, we got stingers? Whoa! Come on. Okay. That should be the it should be the Grim Reaper music though. Okay, so warning that global we'll get it. <laughs> that doesn't work. That doesn't work. We'll work this all out in post. So so the Red Cross says warning that global warming poses a greater threat than COVID nineteen. Even as the pandemic rages, 
climate change is not taking a break from wreaking havoc. The International Federation of Red Cross and Red Crescent Societies, the IFRC, said in a report, of course, the COVID is there. It's in front of us. It is affecting our families, our friends, our relatives. IFRC Secretary General Yegen Champagne told in a virtual news conference, it's a very, very serious crisis the world is facing currently, he said of the pandemic, which has already killed more than 1.3 million people. Okay, 1.3 million people. They all didn't die from COVID. That's a lie. We can half maybe. Okay, all these people have died. It's wreaking havoc. COVID is the enemy, right? But he warned climate change will have a more significant medium and long-term impact on the human life and on Earth. So you think 1.3 million climate change will kill us all? That's what he's saying. Okay, that's that's what I'm saying. If, that, let's just get through it. Well, it's the let's, greatest well, health yeah. pandemic. It's it's an existential threat. Therefore, we can be even more draconian. That's the logic. This is from Nature.com. The United Kingdom has made strong progress in reducing carbon emissions and was an early adopter of a net zero by 2050 target. However, the government's independent advisory climate body advises that policy steps taken so far do not yet measure up to meet the size of net zero challenge. In this context, the introduction of personal carbon allowances, PCAs, a mitigation proposal developed in the 1990s is ripe for revisitation. I'll also say, by the way, in the 1990s, when they said that there was a, an ice age that was coming to destroy us, or in the late 1990s, when they said that by the year 2012, the polar ice caps would be melted and polar bears would be dead and the earth would be destroyed. They got it wrong. So if you're going to revisit any of that garbage from the 90s about climate alarmism, clearly you're not about scientific discovery and integrity. You're about agenda. So the Paul Yeah, and just 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 quickly yeah. too. There there was also an episode we played a while ago. Can't remember exactly which one. One of the uh, men who was at the Davos meeting uh, during the World Economic Forum conference actually was talking about creating an app that would track people's personal carbon footprints. Yes. So now they're 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 not only um, going to install these policies, but they're going to have the technology on. To, to aid them in tracking people and, and their carbon footprint. So that's that's really important to, to understand as well. So personal carbon allowances. The article continues. This policy aims to link personal action with global carbon reduction goals. A PCA scheme would entail all adults receiving an equal, tradable carbon allowance that reduces over time in line with national targets. In its original design, the allowance could cover around 40% of energy-related carbon emissions in high-income countries, encompassing individuals' carbon emissions relating to travel, space heating, water heating, and electricity. So you're given a carbon allowance, and you can't use more than that, otherwise we turn off your heat and you can't drive anymore, oh, but you can trade. You can broker in your carbon allowance which means a little old lady that doesn't require a lot of air conditioning and who doesn't drive, she can broker and trade you some of like this. This is this. This is a movie. This is a dystopian post-apocalyptic movie where you're trading in carbon allowance. This is crazy. Yeah. 
this is that movie. I can't remember the name of the movie with Justin Timberlake, where people now deal in time, right? Like you have a certain amount of time left to live, mm. but you can broker in time. So you work to get more time. You can buy things mm -hmm. with time. You can, and you and it, think, and it turns, it, Andrew. It turns out that uh, these dy dystopian movies, uh, instead of seeing it as a cautionary tale, the left just takes it as scripts. suggestions. Yes, yeah. yeah. That yeah, these exactly. the, these scripts become policies. <laughs> like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. So you can oh, broker. Wait, I never thought about in that. carbon allowance. Oh my goodness! Yeah. Just, it keeps going. I, I, Oh. Oh, on the on that on that end, sorry, just to interject. I'm reading um, a book by Vivek Ramaswamy, um, CEO of Strive, and he talked about how Google, one of their executives that's no longer over there, openly pontificated about a future where Google had its own police and militia. Mm. So that's terrifying. Again. Again, that's that's terrifying, but it's like it, all these dystopian ideas seem to be suggestions for the managerial elites of our society. Yeah. Up next, Anyways, by the continue. way, if I'm, I'm let me put my tin hoil, tin foil hat on. Up next, mm -hmm. Minority Report. <laughs> minority Report yeah. is next. Cr criminalizing oh, criminalizing thoughts or pre-crime, and seeing who's pos who who could do what, who's mm -hmm. capable of what, based on social media. You. Mm -hmm. Come hit me up again in ten years. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I don't well, think that, I'm going to be that, wrong. I think I as think pre-crime is on next. The as I've talked about on the the program many a times, right? That's the re the regressive tolerance idea by mm -hmm. Her Herbert Marcuse calls for pre-censorship of conservative ideas, even violent pre-censorship of conservative ideas. So that's the reality of the situation that we're facing, so coming Andrew, soon, and it's not that far-fetched. Coming soon to a life near you, Minority Report. Anyways, the article continues. Carbon, personal carbon allowances were envisioned to be deducted from the personal budget with every payment for transport fuel, home heating fuels, and electricity bills. So you have a budget. You got to decide. Do you want to drive or do you want to stay warm? If you want to stay warm, you can't drive so much. If you drive more, it's going to be a cold winter. People in shortage would be able to purchase additional units in the personal carbon market from those who those with excess to sell. It really it's it's crazy. It's a plot of a movie. New, more ambitious PCA proposals include economy-wide emissions, listen to this, encompassing food, services, and consumption-related carbon emissions, for example. Food, services, and consumption-related carbon emissions, for example. Now, here is the cherry on top. Listen, I when I was researching this, we could have gone on for hours. Their articles, the stuff, it's it's all bad. So I just wanted to pick some real some real dingers. So this is the cherry on top from The Guardian. And we, we made allusion to this earlier. The coronavirus pandemic is quote unquote just a fire drill for what is likely to follow from the climate crisis. The overall problem is that we are not sustainable in the ways we are living and producing on the planet today, said Liz Kingo, the executive director of the UN Global Compact, under which businesses, yep, under which businesses sign up to principles of environmental protection and social justice. Where have I heard that before? Oh yeah, our <laughs> our our provincial conservatives are pushing that now. 
way to go. Well, well, we we also covered we also covered Andrew in one of the first programs we did together. We covered insane bills, and one is calling for at the federal level a bill about climate and environmental environmental justice. justice. I remember. So that's the merger. That's the that's the marriage. That was one of our first episodes, Matt. It was. It was. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. Wow, people the, people watched it. The world has I, gone I'm surprised mad they're still watching since then. So, <laughs> yeah. this is the end of the article here from the Guardian. Listen to this quote. Okay, here we go. And if there's doom music, here it is. The only way forward is to create a world that leaves no one behind, except for Christians who don't get jabbed. We can be left behind. She said. So this is the executive director of the UN Global Compact where businesses and countries sign on for environmental protection and social justice. She said there were, quote, very, very clear connections, end quote, between the COVID-19 and climate crises, crises. So these articles didn't come out today. This is this has been in the ether for the last two and a half years, especially And for anyone who's paying attention, they have been signaling. There have been overtures towards saying COVID's terrible, but we had to destroy the economy, snatch all your freedoms away from you, and really bring devastation and ruin to our country in order to keep you safe, right? Is okay, good thing that COVID is done, but climate change, that's even worse than COVID, which means what? the measures are going to have to be even more intense because for COVID, I remember when our premier said, I'm going to set up police officers and OPP officers around the province doing checkpoints, making sure you're not driving any more than you need to. And all these municipal police forces said, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. And then he dropped it. And we were like, man, that was close because that was, that was a big deal. Well, guess what? Do you know what will allow for justification for police officers to set up checkpoints to make sure that you're not driving more than you need to is if they can say that you're driving your car is destroying the world and is going to bring upon our utter ruin. We now need to have rations for fuel purchases like we've seen in Sri Lanka and also limitations for the amount of kilometers you're allowed to drive in a given period in a day in a week in a month in a year. And if you think that's crazy, that'll never happen. <laughs> You're wrong. And I pity the fool because it's coming. Yeah. And would you be surprised if our government, you know, forced you to download an app where they can track you and your movements and your carbon footprint? No, they wouldn't it? do that. No. They wouldn't, they wouldn't ever do something no, like that, right? come on now. <coughs> Arrive camp. And if you don't, com- if you don't comply, oh. you're not allowed to travel. Sorry. You can't get on a plane or a train. Or a bus across mm-hmm. provincial lines. If you don't comply, where where mm-hmm. would they ever? How would they? No, I, it, that's inconceivable. Inconceivable. <laughs> and that's where I would say. And, and it might be yeah. if that happened over the last. So if, if, so, everyone who says that's inconceivable, I'll say like Inigo Montoya. You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means, right? <laughs> when you say the government uh, would never do that, what that really means is that's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And. We're not prophets, nor sons of prophets, but we can just read what people are saying and take them at their word. And the the, the point that I want to get across, Andrew, on this is when we talk about the escalating of, of measures 
of draconian implementation of of these covid uh, or of these climate lockdowns stuff like that of these climate measures we have to understand it's also going to be the scope right because that's part of this the, the the argument that comes from Klaus Schwab, the WEF, the UN, the WHO is th- since the Industrial Revolution, the world's been more connected than ever and globalization is a force that cannot be stopped and must be reckoned with. Therefore, we need the ability to mobilize like we've never been able to mobilize by putting in measures across the globe that can help people reach just and equitable outcomes across all countries no matter race religion sex sexual orientation or creed therefore we need a global governance strategy i hope i did that justice andrew but i'm sure you've heard stuff like that in in a lot of what you've written and that's not an exaggeration. That is literally what, like, what Schwab calls for. He says the COVID-19 pandemic has revealed we're not ready. We're not ready to fight climate change. We're not ready to establish racial equity and social justice. So what do we need? We need more top-down technocratic authoritarian control by the elite managerial class among us and is that self-serving obviously obviously it is but that is what they're pushing for and the reason we're covering this is as you said andrew a lot of it's kind of old news we know that we know it's old news but why it's new news is now there's official directives from the canadian government that's actually acting on what these various articles and various strategies that have been put forth over the last two and a half years has said. So the infrastructure, the framework is already getting in place and our government don't be surprised if they act on this. Well, we've already, because they're already acting. Yeah, we've. I mean, the, on the carbon the carbon tax is an example of, of the first of this. The carbon tax is yes. a way of saying, which is kind of silly where it's, you can't destroy you can't destroy our environment unless you're willing to pay for it. Like that seems really weird. Like okay, I mean, well, and and also carbon isn't pollution. Just so everybody knows, like it's it's necessary for for life, for organic yeah, life. Like all those trees Car- that give us that sweet sweet oxygen. <laughs> yes, Car- carbon isn't pollution, but because they tax it right because it's now that's a sin tax right it's the same same way that they tax smokes and and other sort of sin quote-unquote sins um that's now what they consider carbon so carbon though it's necessary for life to to flourish um, it is now considered a pollutant and what do you see from our federal government oh the the conservatives want to roll back the clock in time and they want to make it free to pollute now. That's what Pierre Polyev wants. He wants a world where it is free to pollute. And it's like, no, no. He just wants you to get off the necks of Canadian citizens who are just trying to live, just trying to heat their houses, just trying to get by 
in, in their everyday lives. He doesn't want you to tax them for living. But they are pro-pollutant. They're just pro-pollutant in a syringe in your bloodstream and calling it a vaccine. <laughs> So it's, they're not. Yes, they're not they a, have their yeah, approved pollutants. They're not against. They're yeah. not against toxins and poisons that destroy things. They just want to make sure that it goes in your arm so that they can get their money's worth. Because Canada still has enough doses for each Canadian to receive six. So we still we yeah. still have quite a way to go. But yeah, the carbon tax mm -hmm. is an example of that already. Yeah. Uh, and even the the, mm -hmm. the the whole idea of the personal carbon allowance, which I mean, I, we don't know if our federal government's going to support that. But the whole thing seems so silly, obviously, for a number of reasons. But just internally, if mm -hmm. me, as a 38-year-old man that drives and works, that's young with a family, and 83-year-old Broomhelda, who is basically homebound, if they're going to give every Canadian a carbon allowance, and the whole point of the carbon allowance is to make sure that individuals reduce their carbon output, if they're going to give me and Broomhelda the same carbon allowance, and she's not going to use it, but I'm going to then take all of her carbon allowance. I'll pay her whatever. I'll do whatever I need to to get the carbon allowance. Then I'm admitting the same anyways. It doesn't actually It doesn't actually work. It, it doesn't make sense in theory, and it won't make sense in practice. But leave it up mm -hmm. to our elected officials to do nonsensical, illogical things that don't actually work. Because yes. the goal, they, Andrew, the goal that, isn't that, actually that... to make life better, and it's not to do well for Canadians. And the goal mm -hmm. isn't even environmental goodness. Mm -hmm. The goal is not yeah. saving our environment. There's another agenda here, and they're willing mm -hmm. to throw money, logic, reason, sanity, safety, prosperity, and flourishing yeah. into the bin in order to advance its agenda. Yes. It's the, the hubris of the managerial state knows no ends. It absolutely does not. Because they haven't dealt with COVID well. They they don't know how to even properly Matt, that's run an understatement. a public haven't dealt with well, it well. Like they they've <laughs> basically taken a hammer. You have a little you have a sweet little bird in a a beautiful little canary singing sweet sweet canary songs, and the government has taken a sledgehammer and they've exploded and mashed that sweet canary <laughs> into a pile of yellow feathers and bloody guts. That's what the managerial state did with COVID. That's what they did with. Well, it. yeah, exactly. That's what that's what I, that's what I'm trying so I to get. Be more at. graphic, but yeah, that's that's about right. Yeah, <laughs> they they can't even do the limited task that they've been actually given the power to do. But they want the power and the mandate to do far more than they actually have on their plates, and they they somehow don't realize this is going to end terribly. <laughs> And, and that's the thing. The communists don't know how. Marxists don't know how. Because, right, if they had a prescriptive way that, that we should live, that we should move, that we should um, interact with one another, they consider that, the neo-Marxists consider that inherently right-wing. Because that's, that's imposing your vision of the world on people. So... That's that's why the Marxists, whenever they get in power, they don't know how to do do things because they're incompetent. They're just there's a, they're a virus. They need a host. Yeah, a virus exactly. can't actually a virus unto itself has no strength, it's, no life, and doesn't die. do anything. It needs mm -hmm. to destroy. Mm -hmm. It needs a host, and that's what they are. They they are the virus. 
they are the plague oh, absolutely. upon us. Yes, it is. It is a virus, and and it will. That's how, what it lives to do. It lives to problematize, to disrupt and dismantle. But the problem is, once it's disrupted and dismantled, it gets caught in this revolutionary cycle, and it can only do that. So it cannot create. It cannot lead to human flourishing and successful societies but this is the this is the path that our global elites and many of our elected officials want to take us down and that's why we say on the program unashamedly it's christ or chaos mm -hmm. it's life in christ or death and destruction and it's amazing how there godless, are no alternatives how godless and unbiblical it is so let's just let, let's just talk about a biblical principle a biblical economic mm -hmm. principle very simple and and part of this is jesus when he's talking about the stewardship of 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 spiritual things or the stewardship of that which god has given us to advance his kingdom through opportunities to share the gospel the using of our gifts but what jesus does is in order to communicate that he tells a story that is a purely economic story and the mm -hmm. principle is true in the story because it's true of reality and the principle is this whoever is faithful with a little will be given more but whoever proves faith less or irresponsible with little, it will be taken away. That is a true mm -hmm. biblical principle because God's made the world and the world functions mm -hmm. a certain way. And those who show faithfulness, integrity, and excellence with a little bit, you give them more. And that they're given more mm -hmm. responsibility and maybe more authority and maybe more resources. But the one who squanders it, who shows that they are faithless and irresponsible, you don't give them more. That is the way God has designed the world to work. And what do we see among our elites? We see a full-on rejection of that, which we would say is common sense. And it's common sense, again, because it's how God has made the world to work. There mm -hmm. are laws, there are economic laws that are objectively true. So they reject that. And then what do they do? They take those who devastate and give them more. The point you made about COVID, look how irresponsible. Look how brutal they were. Nothing they did worked. Nothing they did helped. Mm -hmm. All they did was make it worse. All they did was jack up the deaths and the suffering and the economic collapse and the people with cancer. They just made it worse. So what are they saying now? Oh, no, no. Give us more power. Give us more money. Mm -hmm. If we're going to be biblical, what we need to say to them is you have been utterly faithless, irresponsible, negligent, and evil with what we've given you. You should get no more. But mm -hmm. because they Absolutely. reject God and his law, they say the opposite. No, give us more. No, let's ruin it more. Mm -hmm. Listen, we only set one house on fire. Why can't we send the whole? Why can't we set the whole block on fire? Why not the whole yeah. the whole country on fire? That's what they want to yeah. do. So we got to see this mm -hmm. through. That this is a spiritual thing. There are spiritual realities. There is a God purposed design to the world, and what we're mm -hmm. seeing here is not just a lack of common sense. We're seeing what happens when you reject the way that God has made the world to work and you impose your own understanding, what do you see? Chaos. Well, you see is utter destruction. That's what yeah. happens when you reject God's design mm -hmm. in all yeah, aspects of life. It truly is Christ or chaos. That is the alternatives, and that is the biblical antithesis that we must understand. And if you like it or not, it's the truth of the situation. And you're seeing it come to pass in, in what we're seeing from our managerial elites in our society well i know this has been depressing to go over this stuff and to 
ponder this dystopian hellscape that the leftist neo-Marxists among us, those who are in the managerial elite would have us go into, would like to thrust this into, we know that can be depressing, but that's why we exist at the Liberty Coalition Canada, that we can take this information, that we can take this news, that we can analyze it, that we can filter it through a Christian worldview and spit it out to you, our audience, that you might um, understand the truth, that you might push back with us against what's happening. And the fact of the matter is, this is the real existential fight. This is, this is the real battle that must be won. It's against the managerial administrative elites in our society and their grand utopian visions. That's why we have to get active. That's why we have to fight back against these plans because we must win. The sake of Western civilization is really at stake here. And... And that's why we exist on the program is to create that united front for liberty in Canada and hopefully across the world. That's the beauty of the Internet is we can get these programs out to everybody because the fact of the matter, these plays are being run in every country. They're being run on a global scale and we need concerned citizens to fight back and get involved and um, to support us who are doing this work there's many others we we constantly are pushing you towards them to highlight the work they're doing we're not alone in this fight but we have a unique perspective in it and we would hope that you take some value in what we're doing and and that you would support us here at the liberty coalition and not just a unique perspective but a unique operation right so we're going to shine a light on this which you're not going to get most other places Mm -hmm. if you want to get the raw Mm-hmm. unfiltered version of what's going on in the world and you want you want you want us to give it to you straight we're going to shine a light on it so you can always trust in that but we're also going to be doing something about it more than just news and analysis and so what are we going to do well we're going to train up christians to run in elections so that we can hope to see some good change in school boards and city councils we're actually going to push christians to be men and women of integrity to be a part of exacting change in the country. We're going to do that. We're going to continue to fight for Canadians. We're going to continue to represent them outside of the court, hopefully by making people settle with regards to lawless and unscientific mandates, but inside the court, if need be, we're going to represent Canadians legally. We're going to continue to work with and equip churches to make them ready and strong so that you, our dear audience, have good churches where you can go. Pastors that won't bend to the state, that won't fold when the pressure comes, but who will be faithful and biblical and ready for the days ahead. We're going to continue to do all this work. We're going to continue to interview key people to bring you the information and hopefully help you be a good steward of what God has given you to be faithful and to fight for freedom. And this is why we want to say, please consider, consider how you might support the work at Liberty Coalition Canada. We have a large and lofty goal that we want to raise $300,000 before the end of this year. And that allows us not only to pay salaries, but that allows for expenses, operations costs, all our legal fees to be able to do the things we need to do to do our advocacy, our analysis, our legal aid, to do the work that we're doing for the sake of 
fighting for and restoring liberties in Canada. So please consider how you might donate. If that's a one-time donation, that's amazing. If you want to commit to monthly supporting us, that is great too. If you have any questions, reach out to us at info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Please join us in this so we can keep doing the work for you. We know, I've heard from a lot of people, that we are a mouthpiece for Canadians who don't have the platform or really the opportunity to say what they would want to say, that we've been a source of sanity for people, that we have helped people understand what's going on when they can't find the information anywhere else. Help us to continue to do that on a larger scale and to be more effective, ultimately, to the glory of God and for the sake of his kingdom in this country. That's our commitment. Absolutely. Like Andrew said, if you want to reach out to us, info at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Also, leave us comments below. Please, we, we, we welcome them, believe it or not. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what's on your heart and mind. And we want to interact with you, our dear listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in. Galatians 5.1 Thanks for tuning in to Liberty Dispatch, a united front to restore liberty and justice in Canada. Please subscribe to our podcast and Rumble channel, as well as visit our website at www.libertycoalitioncanada.com.